Hi, this is Angelo Poli, and you're listening to the Run to the Top podcast. Hi there, my running friend. This is Coach Claire Barthelic, the Planted Runner, and this is the Run to the Top podcast, one of the first and only running podcasts dedicated to making you a better runner with each and every episode. We are created and produced by the expert team of running coaches at runnersconnect.net, where you can find the best running information on the internet, as well as running coaching plans to fit every runner and every budget. Does it feel like your metabolism is broken? A lot of runners, including me, originally got into running to lose weight. For most people, some weight comes off at the beginning, but then there's a point where it seems like no matter what you do, your body has adapted and you're stuck. You know that you can only cut your calories so far before it starts hurting your running and your health, so what should you do? More running isn't the answer either because there's only a finite amount of running you really can do. Or perhaps weight loss has never been an issue for you in the past, but you're starting to notice that certain parts of your body are getting a little softer and your paces are getting just a little slower. Is that just what we have to accept as we age or does our nutrition and metabolism play a role? The truth is that our metabolism adapts to our food just like our bodies adapt to our training. If you're a marathoner, you probably remember the days when running 10 miles seemed impossibly long, but eventually 10 miles becomes a short long run or even an average run for some people. With our diets, 2,000 calories a day might be a huge day of eating if we're used to 1,500, or it can feel like we're starving if we're used to eating 3,000. Yes, it's still true and always will be true that you will lose weight if you burn more calories than you consume and you will gain weight doing the opposite. But the body changes what it does with food based on what it adapts to. If the body thinks food is scarce, it will store as much as it can as fat. But if it gets too much food, it will also store food as fat up to a point. And too much fat is not even the entire issue. Muscle growth, or lack of it, is also directly influenced by what you eat. Yes, you need to stress the muscles with training to grow muscles, of course. But if you aren't eating enough, your muscles will never grow bigger or stronger. Unfortunately, we see this a lot with runners. We run, eat less, maybe lose some weight, plateau, run more, eat less. The weight stays the same, but the belly or the thighs or the arms get even softer. What ends up happening is that the body fat stays stubbornly put, but the muscle growth stops or even reverses. It's incredibly frustrating, but there's hope. My guest today can shed light on some of the mystery of metabolism. Angelo Poli is an internationally recognized nutrition and fitness expert. He has helped transform the bodies of some incredibly high-profile clients from Olympians, NFL stars, MVPs, and more. He's been featured in The Wall Street Journal, Men's Health, Sports Illustrated, and more, explaining the science of metabolism and the keys to weight loss. He founded his company, MetPro, with the goal of helping as many people as possible discover how to intentionally fuel their bodies for their unique goals, lifestyles, and fitness. To be clear, 
This is not a diet service company or some get skinny quick service. He and his team of coaches work to help their clients train their metabolism for optimal results, just like a fitness trainer helps build your muscles. We had a fun and insightful conversation that I know you'll find fascinating too. And later on in the show, I'll let you know this week's secret code word that unlocks access to all sorts of cool giveaways from runnersconnect.net. So be sure to listen for that because this month's prize is the most incredible yet. Before we dive into the interview, I wanted to let you know of a great offer from TheraBody's revolutionary new Recovery Air Jet Boots. They are one of the most effective recovery tools on the market, and they're more affordable than you think. I'll go into more details later on in the show, but if you can't wait to learn more right now, head to therabody.com slash RTTT. And now, here's my guest, Angelo Poli. Welcome to the Run to the Top, Angelo. Oh, thank you for having me, Claire. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start with the basics of metabolism. First of all, let's define it and let's talk about how it changes as our fitness changes. Sure. Well, the, the metabolism, when you, when you hear the word metabolism or metabolic, you know, what we're talking about today is not the clinical version of like blood work and sugar levels and things like that. What we're talking about is more the darn, my metabolism seems to be running slow. I can't lose the last five pounds. Or how do I change this metabolism? So what it is technically is it's the sum total of all of our biology, our hormones, and our adaptive responses contributing to acclimate to our environment and demand load. And that makes up what our metabolism is, the energy expenditure that it requires to sustain our daily life and activities. And as we change our habits, change our fitness, start running, <laughs> start eating differently, all those things factor in and they absolutely affect our metabolism. Okay. Well, I think what most people have experienced is when they start a new habit, whether it's running or something else, they get really excited about it. You know, if they have weight to lose, the weight kind of drops off almost effortlessly. And then we hit that plateau. So what's going on there? <laughs> plateau or the bane of our existence. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you something that you instinctively already know. Um, that's built inside of you. That plateau is designed to keep us from either excessively gaining or losing weight because your body operates by recreating what we call homeostasis. And so uh, we can simplify that. I've been doing this about two decades and people ask me this question all the time. And so we can really simplify this by saying, the human body can't live in a state of perpetual weight loss or weight gain. So mm -hmm. your metabolism's job is to acclimate and it does so very efficiently. Some people, their genetic predisposition allows them to acclimate to changes in their environment very quickly <laughs> and they hit that plateau fast. Other body types or genetic types acclimate a little slower, but Weight gain or weight loss is not a function of simply energy in, energy out. I know that's what we're taught. Mm. We hear about that is a factor, an important factor, 
but a more accurate description of the weight loss process and why we plateau would be to say weight loss is what happens in the time interval it takes your body to acclimate to the change. So okay. let's say that change is nutrition. You decrease by X amount of calories or X amount of carbohydrates. So you change whatever about your diet. It's going to trigger some level of weight loss. But if it doesn't kill you, that means that that weight loss will plateau, has to. Mm -hmm. Same thing with running. Hey, I'm going to start a, a couch to 5K. I'm going to start moving. I'm going to burn some calories. I'm going to get healthy. You're going to get benefits across the board. But ultimately, your body is going to acclimate to that because you're not going to start running and end up wasting away to nothing. Uh, you'll right. lose a few pounds and then your body will do its job. Uh, but I think it's worth exposing a couple myths around that. Please. Yes. Okay. So it's psychologically, we're always trying to lose weight, it seems like. Not everyone, but most people. And so it's so frustrating because you do everything quote unquote right, and yet we hit these plateaus. Well, I want you to think about it in a little different terms. We notice when our metabolism acclimates to a decrease in intake, or we notice when our metabolism acclimates to extra running or activity, but we don't always notice when our metabolism acclimates to more intake. So, mm. for example, I'll give seminars and I'll regularly pick someone out of the crowd. Um, so, uh, you know, I've had this conversation hundreds of times. I'll pick someone out of the crowd, a, a fit, um, maybe petite runner in the front row. We'll call her Julie. I'll say, OK, Julie, <laughs> if you don't mind sharing, um, are, tell me about your routine. How much do you weigh? What's your fitness routine or culture like? And she says, okay, I weigh 130 pounds. Um, I run three, four times a week. I eat clean, not perfect. I still like ice cream, but I eat clean. And, you know, we talk about it for a moment. I say, okay, Julie, what would happen? And tell everyone here, because you're the expert on your body, what would happen if you changed nothing about your diet except we add a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she does exactly what you just did, Claire. She laughs. Yes. <laughs> she would say, that's great. <laughs> that's exactly what she says. Julie says, that's great. Yeah, you got it. And I say, okay, now how much weight would you gain in a month? Now, like I said, I've asked this question at hundreds and hundreds of seminars. And invariably, I will get the same answer uh, between five and 10 pounds is what she'll usually mm -hmm. say. I'll gain between five and 10 pounds. Well, I, I am a metabolism expert or I'm in the pursuit of, always have been doing this a, yeah. a couple of days now. And I can tell you, Julie, <laughs> you're right. That's what I would say to her. That sounds about right. Thousand calories a night added. That's a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I said, now here's, here's another question. Don't do any math in your head, just instinctively. <laughs> What if you kept eating that thousand calories of Ben and Jerry's every night before bed for a year? How much weight would Julie gain? Oh, I think I know. <laughs> invariably, she would think about it and she would say, I could gain 15, 20, maybe even 30 pounds. To which I say, again, you're right. You're an expert on your body. That's probably right. Uh, 
And then I ask everyone in the room, I said, how much weight do you think Julie would gain? And they all say, yeah, 15, 20, maybe even 30 pounds. We now have a mathematical problem. See, because 1,000 calories a night is 7,000 calories a week. Now, last I checked, there was 52 weeks in a year. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's 7,000 calories a week. There's 3,500 calories in a pound of body fat. Julie should, by the math, gain two pounds a week. And now I'll, I'll ask the whole room. And sometimes I have doctors and physiologists and you know experts in the room, and I'll say, raise your hand if you think Julie's going to gain 104 pounds in one year. I don't have any takers. Right. That is the metabolism doing its job. It's not that somehow she didn't eat those calories. It's that your metabolism will always acclimate to recreate homeostasis, which means here's the big reveal. This is what we teach at MetPro. This is what I've been uh, wrote books about. It means you can control your metabolism. If it can be increased, it can be controlled. It's not easy, but it can be done. Right. Okay. So she's not going to gain 102 pounds, but she's probably going to gain that five or 10 pounds and then just stay there. Is that what you're saying normally happens? That is what it, normally happens. <laughs> yeah. Because some people are like, I would like to eat more <laughs> and, and fix my metabolism without gaining a ton of weight. Well, I'll tell so you that's what, possible. I would love to share all my secrets. How about that? I'm going to explain how we use that to our advantage. Okay. Let because me, I would like to say, first of all, though, the opposite is usually true. People, especially runners who are trying to get lean, will be cutting calories. They're not adding calories. They're cutting, right. they're cutting, they're cutting, they're cutting to get as lean as possible. And it works for the first marathon. It works for the second marathon. But for that third marathon, it doesn't work anymore. Right. And you stop losing the weight that you always thought you could lose. Let so it works in the opposite that. direction. Yeah, let me explain <laughs> that. So this yeah. will also help us. So now we, we uh, have a better understanding of how much the metabolism can speed up if you're eating more now, trust me, like you said, she's not going to be happy about 20 pounds she gained, but she's not going to gain 104. That's the metabolism mm -hmm. doing its job. Now, what would happen, Claire, if we took 100 people, dropped them off on, a, on an island somewhere for a year and put them on rations, 1,500 calories a day, 1,200 calories, it doesn't matter, make up the number, something low. Now, there's men women, tall people, short people, skinny people, large people, everything in between, but we put them all on 1,200 calories a day. Mm -hmm. A year later, when we pick them up, every one of them, their metabolism is burning 1,200 calories a day. And if I'm wrong, they're not there when we go to pick them up. They died. <laughs> right. Right. So we're, we're adapting. We, our body adapts to what we feed it. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why the whole process of baseline testing to identify where your metabolism is starting and then a strategic graduated approach to get your metabolism to a point where it triggers a threshold where we can do a diet down or a revving cycle or a performance cycle and understanding the metabolism is the first step to open up those doors to taking control of your body, your weight, your performance strategically.
Yeah. Yeah. So is it possible to ruin your metabolism? I mean, the big famous uh, study is the biggest loser study where, you know, these people were on television with a crash diet, over exercising, lost a million pounds in like a month or whatever, you know, the craziest weight loss story ever. And then years later, almost everybody gained it back. They can only eat, you know, a thousand calories a day or they gain more weight. So, you know, it seems like those people had their metabolism ruined. I've Is that worked, possible? I've worked with several after they were on The Biggest Loser. Okay, and? So, and so let me explain. First of all, um, you know, I, I know some of the trainers that were on those shows and they, you know, they, they care about their clients. It's not like, you know, oh, here our goal was to wreck people, but metabolically as, as a nation, we, we don't fully understand metabolism the way we should because it's so battered not no nobody's doing anything insidious it's just so battered by marketing and media and then some people are looking through it through a health lens and then some are looking through a wellness and fitness lens and what it creates is just a lot of confusion so here's what happened with a scenario like the biggest loser here's the way you're supposed to lose 100 pounds You lose 15 or 20 pounds, maybe 25. In order to lose that amount of weight, you have to decrease what you're taking in. Over the course of weeks, your metabolism is going to acclimate to that and slow down, so you have to pause. You have to give your body a breather, let your body get used to eating a little bit more again, refresh, rev your metabolic rate, and then go again and take another 20, 25 pounds off. Pause, rinse, and repeat. The problem with that approach is it makes for terrible TV, horribly boring. They want (laughs) dramatic. So now you have that person. That is the exact scenario we just talked about. It's as if you took someone, dropped them off on a deserted island, and put them on rations. Of course they're going to lose. Same thing, Survivor Island. Do you ever see that? I don't know why we end up working with a lot of reality show um, <laughs> uh, stars that are getting ready for going on. Like I worked with a gal that was getting ready for one of those survival shows. She hired me to slow her metabolism so she wouldn't be so hungry on the island. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole story wow. we could talk about. But going back to this scenario, uh, you have these people who, ne- who have now essentially been crash dieting. The body is going to try, it's going to try everything it can to keep you alive, which means that's why you get on the treadmill, it says I burned X amount of calories, then you do the math and you say, I didn't even eat that many calories today. How is it I'm not losing weight? It's because those numbers all go out the window. Your body finds a way to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. You can't just crash diet all in one shot. You have to do this in sections and you have to do it based on some sort of strategy because your metabolism is always going to acclimate. Now, they did a bunch of research and they that research that they did after The Biggest Loser was excellent and it was very educational and we grew because of it, but it was still missing something. Unfortunately, okay. some came away from that research with most most correct information, but something was just slightly off. What was slightly off is they concluded in some cases that it was the weight loss. So when you lose 100 pounds, your metabolic rate slows. Mm -hmm. I charge that it is not the weight loss, 
but rather the effect of decreased intake on your metabolism. Interesting, because because I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. but you know, if you weigh two hundred pounds or you weigh one hundred pounds, obviously it takes less energy to move a hundred a pound a hundred pounds through the world than it does. 200 pounds, you know, so when you lose the weight, you've got less body to move. So theoretically, you're burning fewer calories and you're saying no. Well, I'm not sure it is so obvious. So let's let's just do that. Let's just do a real world test and see if that matches what we have experienced in real life. Think of someone you've known your whole life um, that has a blazing fast metabolism. Now, let me define a blazing fast metabolism. You can eat lots and lots of food and you never gain weight. Mm-hmm. You got them in your mind because I'm going to describe them to you. Yeah. <laughs> They're not this giant person with tons of muscle and real stocky and bulky large. They're the skinny, maybe lanky high school. They drank the weight gainer shakes. They can eat pizza. They can drink beer. And you think, where is it going? It's going into their left leg. This tiny person has this blazing fast metabolism. Yet people who struggle with their weight, a slow metabolism. Are they small people usually? Usually not. Usually not. No, usually they tend to be a little bit stockier to begin with. So our metabolism is not really tied to our size. Now, there are absolutes here. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. We're not here to be anti-science. You take an athlete and you put 20 pounds of muscle on him, compare him to his previous self doing all the same things, he is going to have a faster metabolism. He's going to, his body's going to have more demand. So it's not that any of those things that most people, I love that you asked that question because most people (laughs) assume those. It's not that it's not true. It just needs to be in its place. And its place is squarely underneath the mechanic to survive. Despite I used to do these tests all the time when I would do seminars and lectures and I would need to quickly assess where someone's metabolism was at so I could broadly give recommendations across a large group of people. I would ask them a few questions to determine the speed of their current metabolic rate. Their gender was not the most important. Their Mm. size and weight was not the most important. The most suggestive factor, all of those contributed, all of those do matter. Right, right. By far, the most suggestive was their previous 72-hour food log. In other words, what they were used to eating. So despite athleticism, despite muscle mass, despite gender, despite lifestyle, I could accurately predict if somebody was used to eating fast food diet, a very calorie dense diet. If I put them on a meal plan that is lower in calories or lower in carbohydrates or cleaner, they would predictably lose more weight than the person who may already be running marathons, lifting weights, eating tofu and broccoli and rice cakes and boiling their chicken in the whole nine yards because The way the metabolism works is not about energy in, energy out. That's a factor, but it's about contrast. What your body is used to versus what you change it to, and I can prove it. Mm 
Have you ever had that post-long run or workout feeling that left your legs like jelly for the rest of the day and sore for days to come? That feeling can be a thing of the past with TheraBody's revolutionary new Recovery Air Jet Boots. Recovery Air Jet Boots are the world's most advanced mnemonic compression system ever created. In short, what this means is that Recovery Air flushes out metabolic waste post-run or workout using the science of pressure massage. With TheraBody's exclusive fast flush technology, Recovery Air flushes out metabolic waste more fully and brings back fresh blood to your legs at three times the speed of competitors. Faster cycles mean faster recovery, so you won't have to wait for your legs to feel great. TheraBody's Recovery Air Jet Boots are the first of its kind. They're truly wireless for anywhere on-the-go recovery, boosting circulation, and radically reducing muscle soreness. If you're interested in experiencing the recovery power of jet boots, go to therabody.com slash RTTT to get your TheraBody Recovery Air today, starting at just $6.99 or as low as $59 a month with a firm. Plus, with Recovery Air's 60-day money-back guarantee and free shipping, there's no risk. That's therabody.com slash RTTT. Okay, okay. So, I got to stop you there. So, I'm doing everything right. I am the person you just described. (laughs) And if I wanted to lose weight, that it's it's going to be tougher for me because I'm already doing quote unquote everything right. So for the people who have a big change, they're already, you know, eating the standard American diet, that's going to be, you know, easier, but Correct. somebody who's already eating the healthy foods and Correct. doing all the right things. So that is not fair. So it is so <laughs> not fair. It's so not fair. But as you recognize, it's the truth, but it can be managed. So <laughs> now I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. So now we're going right. to rewind uh, over a decade to an, uh, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago. So I would do, uh, I was a physique coach. So I would coach bodybuilders, physique competitors, uh, figure and fitness. And so their job is to get on stage and have the lowest body fat percentage and, you know, symmetry and muscularity. And so that's, that's what I would do day in and out. Every show I would go to, someone would walk up to me, Mr. Poli, why your athletes look great? Like, what do you have them eating? And I would give the standard bodybuilder response and, you know, boiled chicken, brown rice, you know, the whole nine yards um, or whatever. It could be <laughs> egg whites, tofu. And, uh, and I'd wait for it because <laughs> I knew it was coming. Like, would I look like them if I ate that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No, but, but, but here's why, here's why, because it has nothing to do with the boiled chicken and broccoli. That's a vehicle. What it has uh-huh. to do with is you're seeing an athlete that I have systematically over the last four months, got them to eat a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more slowly increasing calories, slowly increasing carbohydrates. I'd say, Hey, Johnny, um, next week, we're going to add another quarter cup of oatmeal at breakfast, another three ounces of sweet potato at lunch, and bump up by two ounces of your protein at dinner. Um, and I say, okay. And now, if you gain one pound, you, ha- you have to go burn it off. You cannot eat <laughs> less. 
And so he comes back to me and I says, okay, I ate it. What happened? Nothing happened. Great. Add another, add another. He said, okay, I gained a pound. I said, great. Keep eating that. Now, before you go to bed tonight, I want you walking on the treadmill for 25 minutes. You're going to do that till you burn. So he comes back to me a few days later. Okay, Angelo, whew, I did it. I burned that pound off. Now what? Eat more. Ah. We keep gaining and losing that same pound as we gradually recondition their metabolism to running faster and faster. Now I have an athlete who's training five, six days a week. Now I have an athlete who's eating. It's not unusual for my athletes to get up to 3,500, 4,000, sometimes beyond calories a day. Mm -hmm. Now what happens when I put them on 1,600 calories of boiled chicken and broccoli? Mm -hmm. it's the contrast. Yes. So, so I don't want to be the, you know, the, 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 you know, doctor at a coffee, uh, you know, cocktail party uh, situation here, but I'm going to guess what you're experiencing, Claire, because you're running, you're eating clean. And this is the conversation mm -hmm. I literally have five times a day with my clients. Like I'm doing all the right things. How do I get to the next level, whatever that next level is. And when someone is dieting, they never intuitively go, you know what? I dieted and I lost a few pounds of body fat and now I'm staying the same. So I'm going to diet a little harder and I'm going to diet a little harder. You know what I'm going to do <laughs> next? I'm going to add uh, two ounces of sweet potato back. Nobody does that. Instead, we go, <laughs> no, I'm going to diet until I can't take it anymore. And then I'm going to go and eat my weight and chocolate cake. That is the human right. thing to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. and so they eat that chocolate cake. Guess what? The metabolism responds to it. It speeds up, but it gains body fat in the process. Thus is born the yo-yo conundrum. Now we're in this yo-yo pattern. But if we slowly and gradually increased, so I have clients who we're eating low carb, low calorie. And these are not, I mean, I have clients who are getting ready for Kona, the big Iron Man. You know, these are athletes. It's still, even they were, you know, not fueling adequately for their sport. We don't just go, oh, no, we're going to have you eat, you know, 10 pounds of pasta more. No, they'll get fat. No, what we have right. to do is we have to get them there gradually, every few days or every week or so, increasing just as their body can tolerate it. And over weeks and months, the metabolism absolutely transforms. Then we have the yes. leverage. It's all about leverage. Yeah. So this this actually makes a lot of sense when you um, use it as a parallel to gaining fitness, whether it's running or strength or whatever your fitness is. You can't just get off the couch and go run 10 miles. Even if you have that ability, you're just going to break yourself if you do that. But if you slowly, I like to say, sneak up on your fitness, sneak up on your fitness, sneak up on so your body doesn't know what's happening. And then, you know, weeks, months, years, whatever it is for you later, you're running 10 miles like it's nothing, That's but right. it's only if you sneak up on it. So the metabolism works the same way. Exactly. You've got it. And yeah. so the next question people ask me is, where do I start? Because if you go to the Google and say, how do I lose weight? You're going to get 50,000 different recommendations. Mm -hmm. If you go to 10 different doctors and say, how do I lose weight? 
you're going to get 10 different recommendations. That's just, that's, that's the truth. Now, here's what we all can agree on. Those old mm-hmm. height, weight, BMI charts are a bunch of nonsense. That we can right. all agree on. But other than that, and here's why there's so many differing opinions. Because when you go to 10 different doctors and get 10 different recommendations, when you Google all the different diets and the flavor of the week, it's not, a bun- it's not that they're all snake oil salesmen. All of them work. They do. They yeah. all work. But they all work differently for each person. Mm-hmm. Which is why there has to be, and this is, you know, our whole shtick, there needs to be a, a standardization, a baseline to determine what will most likely work for you. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many conversations I've had with someone who's like, Angelo, I've, I've read about you. I know who you work with. I've seen the transformations. I just, I need help getting this last 10 pounds off or 20 pounds off or whatever the case is. And I've tried everything, but I, I know that low carb dieting works. What do you want me to do? And I said, we're not going to low carb diet. And they say, why? When I know it works, I said, well, are you eating a lot of carbs? I said, no, I don't eat any carbs. I say, well, if you're not where you want to be, You've already played that card. There's no more carbs to take out. It has nothing to do with what works, what doesn't work. It has to do with what available moves we have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So people get hung up on something that worked in the past that their body has now acclimated to. And they keep trying to play the card. So they keep going from, oh, I, I know low carb worked for me in the past. So they try and cut from eating 100 grams of carbohydrates down to 50 grams of carbohydrates. It's just not enough to be meaningful. And when you go from 450 grams of carbohydrates to 50 grams of carbohydrates, that's meaningful. Or you have the people, I count calories. I watch how many calories I eat. I don't eat more than X, Y, Z amount of calories. And I say, well, are you at the weight you want to be? Like I'm still 10 pounds away. Then continuing to do the same thing is no, there is zero likelihood that is going to elicit a different response in the future. In fact, that's the definition of insanity, right? (laughs) Right, right. Okay, so let's say we are armed with all this information. We know how to eat. We know what's going to work. We're going to gradually change in a certain direction. We've we've got all the tools. I'd love to talk about the other side of that. Just because yes. we know how to do it doesn't mean it's easy. We get hungry. There's measuring. There's tracking. There's being, you know, a weirdo at the dinner table. Like, oh, she's on a diet again. You know, like, how do you deal with the the habit change or the or the pressures from society? You know, yep. when when there's a celebration, you want to have a drink or eat a burger or whatever it is. So, you know, education is only half of the habit change. You are so exactly I'd love to talk right. about the other side. Our teams at MetPro, we talk about there's the science and then there's the art. So what you're talking yeah. about here is the art uh, for all the reasons that you just said. I have this cl- this conversation with every one of my clients day one. I said, what do you do for a living? Oh, you're a doctor. Oh, you're a lawyer. Oh, you're an accountant. I said, how long did it take you to master that craft? Mm-hmm. You tell me, I studied for years. And says, okay. The lifestyle of health and fitness is a craft. Now, it is not going to take you years to master but it is going to take you weeks, maybe months. And you're mm-hmm. going to learn from someone who does this full time. This is their job because you are going to have 
a million challenges that are unique to you. You are the only person in the world with your exact set of circumstances. And you're going to have a million more challenges that are not unique to you that we have dealt <laughs> with with literally every client we have ever worked with because it's just our lifestyle and we're going to have strategies. We're going to have solutions. We're going to have some compromises and we're going to have tools to make it happen. But to assume that you're going to be good at something like meal prepping or good at mm -hmm. ordering at a restaurant or good at knowing what snacks to choose is foolish if we haven't invested time into learning. And that's why we have coaches that this is what their full-time job is, is to learn all the ins and outs. And I'm going to tell you the secret and it, immediately it's going to ring true. I promise. I'm going to tell you the secret. <laughs> I, I've been at lectures and seminars and workshops and Mr. Poli, what's the secret? What exercise is best? What's the best food? <laughs> tell me what supplement do I need? And I'm going to tell you the secret to transforming your physique. You ready? Yes. Time management. Oh, okay. Time Good. Management. That's the truth. Okay. I get people who show me this diet is, I mean, incredible. They've got everything balanced. They got this, that, and the other. They said, here's the problem. If it's not quick, if it, there's no brevity to it, there's no speed to it. If it's cumbersome, you cannot reproduce it, which is why I tell my clients week one, I don't care. We gain weight, lose weight. What I care about is we get the pieces in place that are going to give me my levers and my dials. Now, I know everyone, listen, I'm, I'm talking broad strokes here. I will get, let me get a little more granular. If you were working with me, my agreement with my clients is I'm not worried about breakfast. I'm not worried about dinner. Yes, we're going to eat clean. We're going to eat healthy at those meals. But you wake up at home, and as long as you have shopped, you're going to have clean options in your house. At dinner, as Americans, our culture here in North America is to actually take time for that meal. Other places in the world, it's different. There, you know, breakfast mm -hmm. is the biggest day of the meal. But here in North America, we take time for dinner. So now there's a matter of willpower. We're not going to go through the drive-through of Wendy's for dinner. We're going to go to a nice establishment, sit down and order well, or we're going to have a meal with our family at home. And most of the time, cook well. And some of the time, we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to think about it. We're just going to focus on family and a good time because there are mm -hmm. things in life that human beings derive more pleasure and satisfaction from than good food. <laughs> so I never want you to give that up. But as a routine, you're going to order well. Now, here's where we run into all of our problems. Everything between breakfast and dinner. Yeah, yes. Everything yes. between breakfast and dinner. So I, I say, raise your hand when I do these seminars. I say, raise your hand if you... Uh, think you know what type of diet works best for you. You know, raise your hand if low carb, raise your hand if calorie control, raise your hand if ketogenic, raise your hand if you name it, intermittent right. fasting. We can go on and on. I said, now, perfect. Now, raise your hand if you know what you're eating for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows because there's no plan. There's no strategy in place. So my clients know day one, they ask me, can you get me to X, Y, Z place? And I say to them, yes, I can, but here's what you have to do. I'm in charge of what you eat from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Are you good with that? Are you good with having a routine of planned snacks 
and a strategy for lunch. Now, I understand business lunches and things like that, but a basic strategy. And if they say yes, we can transform. We can absolutely transform. Interesting. Routine and time management. And that's what our professionals do is they help you do this. I've had these, you know, oh, the best snack in the world is cottage cheese and bananas. (laughs) You know what the problem is? The problem is when I look at a snack, I'm looking for it has to be the the calorie load, the macronutrient uh, load, the glycemic load that I'm looking for. Now it needs to be quick. Now it needs to be portable. It needs to be non-perishable and it can't be messy. And if you love cottage cheese and bananas, more power to you if you have the ability. But when it's 105 degrees out and you're driving in your car, let me tell you, a package full of cottage cheese and bananas is not going to work in that car. Right. So you have to have strategies. And you've probably never thought about cottage cheese and bananas at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because of temperature. But this is what we do day in and day out. We have to get results for our clients. I'd like to talk about the science of sweat for a moment. You already know that when you sweat, you lose electrolytes, which are essential for your body's best performance. But you've also been told that too much salt is bad for you, so it can get confusing to know what to do. The truth is that athletes, healthy eaters, and heavy sweaters all need more sodium, and just about everyone needs more potassium in their diet. And we don't need a bunch of sugar and artificial junk along the way. Element is the hydration solution designed with athletes and everyone who sweats in mind. Element was born when former research biochemist and two-time New York Times bestselling author Rob Wolf needed to elevate his fitness game. His coaches recommended upping his electrolytes to improve his performance, and it worked. After years of mixing his own homemade electrolyte blends and frustration with the lack of healthy options on the market, Element Recharge was born. Element comes in lots of salty flavors that even the saltiest sweaters will love, such as citrus, raspberry, and orange. It even comes unflavored for those who prefer the clean, salty taste. I don't know about you, but when I'm racing, I crave salt, not sugary sweetness. So Element can be the perfect hydration solution to replace your levels fast. For Run to the Top listeners, Element is offering a free Element sample pack. You only pay five bucks for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. To claim this exclusive deal, you must go to drinklmnt.com slash runnersconnect. This deal is not available on their regular website. So go to drinklmnt.com forward slash runnersconnect. We are loving Element and we think you will too. Get your free sample pack today. And if you don't love it, share it with a salty friend. They'll refund your five bucks, no questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Once again, head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash runners connect for your salty samples. For those of you entered in our monthly prize giveaway, the secret code for this week is distance. If you're not sure what the giveaway or the secret code means, go ahead and go over to runners connect 
Net slash giveaway. Each month, we're giving away a new grand prize. Plus, you can earn points to unlock free programs, books, RC swag, and more. You can then earn points entering the secret code or by sharing the podcast with your friends, leaving reviews, and more. This month, we are giving away our best and most exclusive prize yet. It's a free spot at one of our amazing running retreats this year. Take your pick of beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, July 7th through 11th, incredible Lake Tahoe, California, August 10th through 14th, or picturesque Lake Winnipesaukee, New Hampshire, September 22nd through 25th. Experience breathtaking runs, amazing running trails, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a group of like-minded runners. Take a trip to the Grand Canyon, run along the pristine blue waters of Lake Tahoe, or watch the fall leaves change in New Hampshire. Everything is provided for you with this unbelievable prize, including your food, accommodations, and activities on the retreat. All you have to do is get yourself there. Again, to see all the details and enter, head to runnersconnect.net slash giveaway and get started by entering and then adding this week's secret code, DISTANCE. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I'm glad you brought up snacks because this has come up with some of my clients um, as well is, you know, they eat healthy, they're fueling their runs, and then something about four o'clock in the afternoon and the snacking is coming in. Maybe, you know, they're having a glass of wine with the, while they're making dinner or, you know, one, one woman I work with has got the cheese plate out. You know, it's like it's her reward after a hard day. She she has told me she's not hungry at all. It, sure. She is not hungry, but she is doing this for emotional reasons. So food is not just fuel. There's there's emotions attached to it. So so what advice would you give to that particular client? So there's there's two sides to that. The first is just the the practical. So I mean, it, you know, we we tell our children you can have some dessert, but you have to eat your you know vegetables first. Why? Because there's the practical side of that. If they finish their meal first, they're not going to have enough room to have a plate of cake. They'll have enough room for a piece of cake. And guess what? That advice and practical application carries through to us adults as well. So I mm -hmm. always emphasize having in place the right stuff versus avoiding the bad stuff. Because avoiding the bad stuff, while important, doesn't work unless you have a foundation, a platform to mm -hmm. allow that to happen from, which means you're already eating good things. Because you have two battles. One, if food tastes good, and two, you're hungry. So mm -hmm. you can redirect the foods that you choose to eat in quantity based on taste preference. But you cannot win that battle if you are in front of it and you're hungry at the same time. So let's take hunger out of the mix. It's very easy to manage hunger without eating a bunch of food that's going to undermine your, uh, your efforts. The second component is, like you said, the emotional component, the habits, the routines and something. That, and so that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with enjoying something. I don't know that there's a problem with the cheese plate or this or that from time to time. I need to know what are your goals? 
now is is your goal mm-hmm. do we have a, a deadline or an event or something are we trying to lose weight at a certain point are we trying to be here are we trying to be there well then we're going to temporarily make some adjustments and yes sacrifice is going to be a part of that but that doesn't mean that it has to be this extremist approach where no if you're trying to be healthy all cheese plates are bad because if i said that my wife would divorce me see and that's no good <laughs> she loves cheese plates <laughs> so there's there's that balance and where are we going to give and take my first order of business is getting into place a routine we can build on which means a breakfast a lunch a mid-afternoon snack and a dinner we can put those things in and if those things are in there is a finite amount of room for extracurricular emotional eating. I'm not saying it won't happen. We are human. <clears throat> Here's the second practical advice. Mm-hmm. Don't have it in the house. I'm not saying don't have it, but don't have it in the house. Yes. That whole bit about, oh, no, I know. I know. I know. Nobody knows more than me what a package, what's in a package of Oreos and how it's impacting your physiology. But if I have it in my house, I'll eat them by the sleeve, not by, you know, that's just the way it works. So I win those battles by preparing myself because I will have an indulgence from time to time, but it is unlikely I'm going to get my coat, grab my keys, hop in the car, drive down to the store and buy it, bring it back in the moment that I have a craving. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your environment's incredibly powerful. Incredibly <laughs> powerful. Yes. And then there's lots of tips and tricks we can go on and on about, but it, it all starts with, I will say this. Um, now what we do as coaches starts with baseline testing, but anyone can apply this principle at home. What should you be eating? What should you be doing for your exercise? What should, for strategy should you be implementing? All depends on you and we won't know unless we baseline test. I have some people who can lose weight very easily with a very forgiving routine with some structure. And I have other people that have to be highly specific because that's where their metabolism currently is. And we determine that through baseline testing and baseline testing doesn't need to be some arduous extreme process. It's a matter of having a simple meal plan that's consistent, following it for a few days and evaluating the results. Now we do a little more in depth, of course, at MetPro, if it, when somebody comes to us and says, hey, uh, evaluate my metabolism, I'm gonna put them on a baseline testing meal plan where I know the exact caloric load of the meal plan, the exact macronutrient breakdown, the glycemic load, all the details, the frequency, how far apart the meals are spread. I'm going to say this diet's going to be rough, but follow it just 72 hours because I'm testing you. And then at the end of 72 hours, I'm going to see the results. And it's not rocket science. I mean, either the person gains weight, loses weight, or stays the same weight. And then I compare that data against the data from thousands and thousands of others who followed that same baseline testing protocol. And that's going to tell me, here's how much leverage and margin we have today for weight loss, for fat burning, for muscular development, for increasing energy, and what adjustments we may need to make. And Mm -hmm. it all starts with figuring out where your current metabolic rate is at. And a real down and dirty, simple way of doing that is you can just log your food and look at what's your average for three days, for six days, whatever. 
caloric macronutrients. And even if you just want to look at, you know, top, top line calorie intake, top line carbohydrate intake, if you've stayed roughly the same weight, it's a good indication that that's your current metrics to work from. And if you feel like it's too low, you can increase it gradually. And if you feel like there's plenty of room in that, you can always decrease and you're likely to see a good result from that. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's shift a little bit from weight loss into um, eating for performance. You yeah. know, a lot of, a lot of studies have been done on um, elites, sub elites, you know, or, or high performing recreational athletes, runners, and they come back saying that most of them are not eating enough carbohydrate to Correct. fuel what they're doing. And so, so let's talk about the difference between, you know, eating for health, longevity, weight loss, you know, body composition versus eating for performance because it's not the same thing. It absolutely isn't. And that's across every sport. But it, it, running is such a great platform for the discussion because it's an immediate, tactile, one-to-one -one translation result uh, when you're underfueled for your potential. And so <clears throat> if you're wondering if you're underfueled for your potential, don't wonder anymore. The answer is yes. But it, it's not what <laughs> you think. It's not what you think. It's, not, it, it's a moving target. So how much should I eat? The answer is always more is better if you can utilize it. More is mm. better if you can utilize it. Now, there are those who are simply under fueling and they're bonking way too early. They're not, they are not uh, living up to their potential performance. But assuming that you're not doing that, you're not severely under fueling. I have athletes that compete successfully, competitively, marathons, ultra marathons, Ironmans, uh, endurance, uh, you know, the whole nine yards, and have done so on shockingly low fuel. But once they start getting their body conditioned to more fuel, those on a cellular level, mitochondrial enzymes adapt and acclimate. Everything about your body adapts and acclimates. Remember the illustration of the girl who added the ice cream at night? She gained weight, but she but her metabolism sped up. If you take an endurance athlete and you gradually increase, what'll happen is you'll gain a pound and then your metabolism will speed up and acclimate to it and you'll drop that pound. And then you increase mm -hmm. a little more, you'll gain a pound or two, your metabolism will acclimate and you'll drop. The problem is that's a very mathematical, uh, it's a very detailed mathematical equation and there is the opportunity to miss. So you, we've heard this before. Uh, to lose weight, you have to actually fuel your body and eat more. That's a truism, but it won't, it's one that needs to come with a disclaimer. Don't try this at home, kids, because it doesn't. It's a right. very specific equation. Same thing with performance and fueling for, for example, a marathon. <clears throat> if when I have one of my marathon runners. I look at the calendar. Now, here's where it becomes tricky. I get a marathon runner that says, I want to hit a PR. By the way, I want to be 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> which first? Pretty, pretty straightforward. So you have to pick which yeah. first. You can do both. You cannot do both at the same time. I didn't say you can't run a marathon. You can't perform well. You can't perform at your personal peak. Right without optimally fueling. So it's very simple. We just 
carve out the schedule and we go, oh, okay, well, in April, you know, we have a race end of April. So we're going to be increasing gradually. And so we're ramping up carbs and calories um, at XYZ pace for three weeks leading up to your race. Right after the race, you're going to have a recovery week. We're going to do a cutting cycle for three or four weeks. And that's where we're going to take our eight pounds, 10 pounds, whatever it is we want to do off and then gradually build you back up in time for the next race. And what will sometimes happen is I'll have someone who says, yeah, but I actually want to run a marathon, but I want to be 25 pounds lighter. And I say, (laughs) no problem. We're going to get five of it between your first and second race. We're going to get the next five between your second and third. And we just, we break it up. So that way you can <laughs> use a poor illustration, have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> right, right, so right. You, you can do both, but you have to be strategic about it. And these are just not things that most people are thinking about when they first say, hey, I hear all these great things about running and my friends are runners and they enjoy it. And it's such a stress relief and it's such a great form of exercise. And we could really talk about some unique benefits of running too, but um most people aren't thinking about all the technical nuance that goes into optimization. That's what our right. think tank is about. We're the nerds that go, hmm, what would happen to the human body and physiology if? Uh, but it is incredible what can happen with the application of some science. Incredible how much people can transform. And the greatest stories, you know, like I said, I, I, I I've had the privilege of working with some of the most recognizable names in sports. It's been an honor to work with elite athletes and just phenomenally talented people. But at the end of the day, and I'm speaking from my heart here as a coach, those aren't the ones that stick with you. It's, it's Mitch who's, you know, from Brooklyn and he, you know, never, he swore to me, I've never ran a mile in my life. Now he runs a mile a day and he's in his 60s. You know, it's, it's those stories of people just, you know, realizing what they are capable of one day at a time and looking back and just seeing how it's impacted them, their family, the people they love and the time they spend with them when you get healthy. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is probably a good place to sort of wind this thing down. And Angela, I haven't asked you, are you a runner at all or are you just more into the strength side? I I am a I am passionate about the sport. Um, so uh, my history, I won't go into the gory details. I was the personal trainer who walked with a cane for 10 years. So when I was in my mm-hmm. 20s, I suffered a debilitating injury. I walked with a cane for a decade And um, because of that, it forced me to uh, just really align myself with the science and the strategy because I couldn't go in the gym, hand people dumbbells. I couldn't go down to the track with them anymore. Um, So I have gotten much better and I'm I'm very privileged to say that I can now run again. Um, I don't run long distances. My body won't tolerate that, but I can do a few miles and my wife is a runner. She loves it. And it has absolutely transformed her life. It's her favorite sport. Uh, and so many <laughs> of my clients has transformed their lives. And as, as a transformation coach, it's an exceptional tool in the arsenal when somebody comes to me and says, I want to achieve XYZ objective. I want blood, better blood work. I want a lighter weight. I want lower uh, blood pressure. Uh, I want 
to my body to look a certain way. I want this, that, or the other with it can be purposeful. Running is a very potent tool when wielded properly. So I am a huge fan of running. All right. Perfect. Well, I have a few questions that I ask everyone okay. uh, before I uh, close up the show. Sure. So we could substitute running or fitness into this. So which, okay. whichever seems to make sense for you. But if you could go back and talk to yourself when you first started, mm-hmm. what advice would you give yourself? Oh, boy. You know, just don't take for granted uh, you know, the human body is incredible in its adaptive ability, how much it can adapt to demands. Um, but we are fragile creatures. Mm. We are fragile creatures. So um, approach things humbly, <laughs> with humility, recognizing that, you know, every day is a gift. And as we learn about our physiology and our health, um, it's a worthy investment to yes. do it the right way. So that, that's what I would tell myself. <laughs> nice, nice. So what's the greatest gift fitness has given you? Oh my gosh, my, my, my health back. So it, it was my treatment. As I, as I said, I, I suffered a pretty debilitating injury and that's what set me on this course. Um, and, uh, you know, There was a point in my life where simply carrying the groceries inside the house was a stretch for me. And uh, with the combination, I'm grateful, of course, to the the medical professionals that helped me recover. Um, But fitness has been a massive part. Without fitness, um, my quality of life would not have come back. And so it's a pretty big gift. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And finally, Angelo, where can listeners connect with you? Oh, well, and thanks. Thank you, Claire. Um, You can go to metpro.co slash RTTT. And at that uh, URL, metpro.co slash RTTT, for your listeners, uh, they'll get a complimentary uh, consultation evaluation if you want to actually talk to a real-life specialist, not a call center, but an actual specialist who will get to know you and spend some time with you. Metpro.co slash RTTT. Well, perfect. Thanks so much for being on the show, Angelo. You had uh, a great, I had a great conversation with you, uh, learned a few things, and I'm going to go get some ice cream now. (laughs) (laughs) Do that. As you can probably tell, I find the subject of metabolism incredibly interesting for myself, the athletes I coach, and for all the runners like you listening right now. As much as we want clear rules about what we should eat as runners and as people, that is just not possible because we are all just so different. As a certified sports nutritionist, I've studied how the energy systems of the body work and how our food fuels our muscles. As a professional running coach, I can tell you the ideal amount of carbohydrates you should consume per hour of racing a marathon and how much protein you should aim for when recovering from a run or a workout. But the reality is those recommendations can only be advisable ranges, not exact rules. No two runners run exactly the same, and they don't process calories exactly the same either. The only way to know what you should and should not eat and when is to first learn the basics and then experiment. And if you're stuck, reach out for help. After this interview, Angelo asked if I was willing to do a little experimenting on myself. 
Now, I am not currently training for races and I don't have any weight that I really want to lose, but I'd love to be sure that I'm on the right track with my nutrition to support my running and my strength training. So I'm going to be working with his team for the next couple of months just to see what I can learn and what happens. I'll be sure to keep you posted here on the run to the top and on Instagram at the planted runner. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Run to the Top podcast with me, Claire Bartholik, the Planted Runner. Our mission is to help you become a better runner with every episode. Connect with me on Instagram at the Planted Runner and at Runners Connect. Join the Runners Connect team at runnersconnect.net and support our show for free with a review on Apple Podcasts. If you love the show and want to get more free content in your inbox, become one of my favorite listeners and get the elite treatment at runnersconnect.net slash podcast. Have a great run today.